2022 seems to be a year of stirring. Hey, wherever you go, people are tired of being in lockdown and hopeful that just maybe this could be the beginning of the end. I'm not making any uh, conclusions, but everyone is hopeful this could be the beginning of the end. I think naturally people are frustrated from being hemmed in. Spiritually, people are sensing that God wants more for us than hiding in our lounges and uh, looking at our computer screens 24-7 for work. And uh, God has got a greater purpose for you and I than just to get through the pandemic. Logger mentality and self-preservation may keep us going, but it doesn't make us live, right? It might keep us alive, but it doesn't make us live. And so there is a sense of shifting, of stirring, that God is calling us to rise and to count in new ways to move from coping to calling. Do you agree with me? Hey, I've used that intro for three weeks now. I hope it's getting familiar to you. You should be saying, Craig, of course not. This shouldn't be new because everyone I'm speaking to, listen to the radio, the TV, whoever, you pick up the same spirit. So over the last couple of weeks, we've said that uh, God is calling Grace Cove to do three things. Number one, to break camp in advance. Number two, to, that we need a new wine skin if God is going to give us new wine. And number three, to be clear. I've spoken about being clear already this morning. So we've looked at a number of scriptures. They've kind of been our hallmark scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 1 tells us, all right, Deuteronomy chapter 1 tells us that you've been here long enough. It's time to break camp, to advance, and to take possession of the land that God has promised us. I love that part. It's not like we're taking, we're hoping if we win the battle, then we get the land. No, God says, go in and take possession of what I have already given you. There's not a doubtful end. It's not an if, maybe, how, depending on your war strategy. It depends on God and His promise. Then in Luke chapter 5, verse 38, we've read that uh, you need a new wineskin for a new wine. New wine must be poured into a new wineskin. The New Living Translation, verse 39, it says, But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. You can give us that next slide, Hannah. Thanks. And the next one. There we go. No one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old wine is just fine, they say. Can I challenge all of us? I like to know what I'm doing and not be kind of... uh, constantly doing new things. Can I challenge all of us that nostalgia, familiarity, comforts, pampers, huggies. I don't know any other other brand names. I'm looking around for someone with small kids to help me out. Cuddles, okay. It's very easy to stay in the old. We must think and speak The new language, we must speak the language of Canaan, the language of inheritance and destiny, not of fear and defeat. So I need to talk about the nappies again. Uh, I'm busy buying and selling two things on Facebook Marketplace at the moment. It's the only reason I'm ever on Facebook, in case you're wondering why I haven't noticed your birthday, if you haven't told me. And uh, there's this, this um, uh, thumbnail that keeps popping up on my, my marketplace uh, feed. It's like wall-to-wall pile of nappies. I'm thinking like, I chuckle every time I see it. I think, Lord, are you talking to me through Facebook marketplace? Time has come. 
to put on a new nappy for a new day. Is that okay? Notice how gentle and um, well-spoken I am this morning. I'm not even talking about that other stuff. You had to be here. So, friends, I've wrestled with this this morning. I'm going to take a few minutes to recap because it's so important that we get this right. I hope if you've been here for three weeks, if you've been online three weeks in a row, this is starting to sit in your muscle memory uh, a little bit. Then we're going to go on to number three. So how do we advance? I've said there's three things we need to do to advance. So the question is, how do we? I hope you've taken screenshots or or photos of of this, and it's starting to become uh, easy for you. The first thing we need to do is we need to get clear. We need to get, get clear. The way you get clear, you ask yourself, what do I do best? What do I do best? Colette's trying her hardest to add to my peanut butter and jam sandwich repertoire. Uh, I still think peanut butter and jam is what I do best in the kitchen. But what do you do best? Of all the things that you as an individual do, what do you do best? The second thing is, what do you love to do the most? If I gave you time off and enough money, what would you choose to do? And number three, what results matter? Does it matter that everything's lined up neat and tidy? Does that matter to you or not? You answer those three questions, it points you in the right direction as what should we be clear about? What do I do best? What do I love to do? And those two may not be the same thing. And then what results matter? At the end of a week, what do I want to have accomplished? At the end of a month, at the end of a year, five years, and if I look into the future, by that date, what must I have achieved to feel as though I've achieved something? And so number one, get clear. Number two, get committed. And the question you ask yourself there is, what price am I willing to pay? There was a concert pianist that wowed the audience. And afterwards, someone popped up and they said to the concert pianist, pianist, they said, man, I would give my life to play like you. The pianist looked at the person and said, I did. Now, how many of us aren't wandering around saying, oh, I would give anything to be able to do that. And yet we give nothing. Oh, if only I was healthy, if only I ate well, if only I exercised, if only, if only, if only. But the price is too big, so we're not paying it. And we can, you and I can arm wrestle whether we should pay the price, what God's calling us to. We can talk about that. My point is, you want to get clear, you need to get committed. What are you willing to pay a price for? Not should you. What's expected of you? What people are telling you? What are you willing and hoping that it's in relation to what God is saying to you? You with me? Don't come on Wednesday night because someone, Craig on the mic, told you to come to pray. Come because you are valuing prayer and you're willing to pay a price because you're responding to Jesus. Make sense? And then we have a wonderful time as we go along. Number three, we get connected. I want to promise you that you will never go far alone. You never will. You never will go anywhere meaningful on your own. And so when we get connected, we need to ask ourselves, who do I need to get to know? Who do I need to journey with? Who do I need to learn from? Who do I need to seek out? And what experiences must I have so that I can get closer to the vision that God has put in my heart? You with me now? You, You got that? Three things. Number one, it's on the screen. Number one, get clear. What are the questions? Love to do, do best, results that matter. Number two, get committed. What price am I willing to pay? 
Believe it or not, you only get big muscles if you lift big weights. I know it's like quite a strange concept. Yeah? You only eat healthy if you make healthy food to eat. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I was like, I don't know how I got here. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Number three, get connected. Who do I need to journey with? All right, you got me. I'm hoping that over these next couple of while, especially as we go into gifted, gives you a little bit more ideas around this thing. You then can say, my vision is becoming clear. I can see where God is pointing me, and now I need to do my part to get on that journey. You with me? All right. <laughs> so who's ever been stuck in the mud before? You been stuck in the mud? You know that bad mud where it sort of comes up to here or maybe a little bit lower, but the mud that's so bad you, you, you lose your plucky under the, the sand? Hey, have you stood on the beach? You know when you stand at the edge of the waves and you do this? Hey, you sink. Have you ever done that? How far have you got? Sometimes you get up to your knees and then a bigger wave than you realize was coming comes and knocks you off and your feet don't move. You're lying like this on the sand and everyone's laughing at you. They know exactly where you live and it's not on the south coast, right? Hey, you've been stuck in the mud before? Have you tried to push a car out of the mud before? Hey? Yeah, have you watched, the, watched those guys uh, get stuck in quicksand? It's, you lose your life just like this, eh? Yeah, for the Princess Bride watches, the fire sand. Ah, oh, the fire sand. Come on now. So, Hannah, if you can roll that clip for us, please. Have a look at this. What do you think? Do you think she's going to make it? I wonder if anyone's identifying with that feeling this week. You came in here, you felt like that? You can hear a couple of come on. I'm waiting for someone to break out and pray. Nearly there, hey? Have you felt like this? Look how hard she's working. She's exhausted now. Look, her head's lying on the ground. Friends come and try and help. There she goes. There she goes. Come on now, hey? Almost. Almost. Come on. You breathe a sigh of relief with me? Hey? I get, uh, I mean, I get uncomfortable. I'm thinking, what's the cameraman doing there? Why aren't they helping, right? Put your camera down. Go help. Phew, hey? Look at the mud stuck to her body. And off she goes. Manages to survive. We've spoken about God bringing the Israelites from captivity in Egypt over the Red Sea into the wilderness of wandering, some of the um, commentators call it. And then they wander around for 40 years, 38 within 200 kilometers of their destination. They wander around in circles, and eventually God brings them over. 40 years later, he says, it's time now to listen to me, what I said 40 years ago, cross over into the promised land. That's the journey that we've been speaking to, speaking about. And part of what God has had to do with the Israelites in the story is to change their worldview from slaves into sons. Remember we've said you've got to adopt the language and the thoughts of the promised land versus the captive land. 
Yeah, I've told this story before, but when they train elephants, they take a tiny little chain and they put, or even just a string, and they put it around the baby elephant's leg and they tie it to a pole. They never take that off. As the leg grows, they just put a bigger chain. And when the animal is full grown, they can put a little string around its foot and it still thinks that string is stronger than it is. You see, the thought processes haven't changed. And when you and I have got used to living in the captive land, when we try and get into the promised land, the devil just says, huh, that little shoestring around your ankle is going to be your demise. And we've given. You with me? And so God has to take them. He's taken the Israelites out of slavery, but he's still got to take slavery out of the Israelites. I wonder where you and I sit today. Have you got some slave left in you? Everyone's like, oh, I don't know what to answer. Well, the Bible says that God is in the process of transforming us from glory to glory. And that's the sanctification process, turning us from slaves into sons. And uh, phew, remember that the, of the whole, sorry, let me try that again. Remember, the whole generation, Deuteronomy chapter 1, had to pass away before they could enter into the promised land. And on top of that, two and a half tribes didn't cross over. They wanted to settle on the wrong side of the land. I, it bothers me about those guys. And then Moses says to them, no, you, you can put your wives there and your families there, but you have to cross over into the promised land and fight with us until we win this land. Then you can go back home. It was a seven-year uh, campaign. Seven years later, they got to go back to their houses on the wrong side of the river. And sometimes what God is doing in us is to work out the, the dregs, the leftovers of our experiences that come inside of us that haven't been taken out of us. Yes? And so you see there, in Egypt they were slaves. They struggled with less than enough. Every time they got into trouble, got the, 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 the Egyptians took away more resources from them. More bricks, less straw, remember? Now you go get your own straw and you must make more bricks. Have you ever felt like that at work? That's... Everyone's cutting budgets all the time and expecting greater profits, right? That's Egyptian leadership right there. And they lived in the land of less than enough. And the problem was they were in debt because as a slave, you belonged to someone else. In uh, later times, you could buy yourself out of slavery. But God wanted to take them out of Egypt. Then they hit the wilderness, as I've said already. And there they were dependent. So they go from slave to dependent. It's not much better. You see, as a slave, you're dependent on your masters to feed you because you don't own anything yourself. Probably don't even have a kitchen or a cupboard to put food in. In the wilderness, they were dependent on the manna every day. Remember, if you've read those passages, God gave them this kind of miracle food that lay on the ground every morning. They could collect and eat. He tells them you can, cannot save it. Interesting language. Cannot store it up because by tomorrow it'll be fraught. Unless it's the day before Sabbath. Then you can gather for one day and it'll be fine. You wonder why it's miraculous? Yeah. And so in the wilderness, they were dependent on the resources of God. They lived with just enough. It was hand-to-mouth living. The food they got for that day, they ate, it was finished. Next day started again. I wonder if you and I feel like you're in the land of just enough. Subsistence living. You're living hand-to-mouth. Yeah. Just enough. No extra, no surplus to be invested or to be saved or nothing. We're kind of living, waiting to see what happens to us next. Then finally, God gets them into Canaan. He brings them over the Jordan River into the promised land. Now they are free. They've gone from slaves to dependents to free. 
They've gone from the land of less than enough to the land of just enough. Now they find themselves in the land of more than enough. Even the grapes, they said, needed two men to carry. Way more than enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the English for it? A tross driver is a bunch of grapes. Hey, I won't eat. <laughs> you guys at home, one of the Afrikaners, just saying, I won't mention Andre's name. One of the Afrikaners wasn't sure what a tross driver was. Hey? And uh, <laughs> my mom, must have been my pronunciation. Though that, the, 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 the bunch of grapes was so big, the Bible says they had to have two men carrying them. That's way more than enough. If I offered you a bunch of grapes, you're like, is it a Canaan bunch or is it a wilderness bunch or is it an Egypt bunch? Yeah, I think the Egypt bunch is like one moldy raisin. <laughs> the Canaan, anyway, let me move on. You, you with me what God is trying to do here? And so friends, over the last two weeks, including this one, three, we said that God wants us to advance. The first week we spoke about advancing us in terms of our vision. Next slide, please. And vision is all about purpose, discovering that get clear process, discovering my purpose. Secondly, we spoke last week about, about advancing in terms of church and me as part of the church, and that's about participation. You may remember I asked you, are you a stranger, are you a seeker, are you a spectator, or are you a passenger, or are you a participator in God's church? Hmm? When we see Him clearly, He wants to build His church. And this morning, I want to talk about money. Aren't you glad? I want to talk about money. At Grace Cove, we like to talk about money so that you and I can go forward with our money, right? And today we're going to talk about advancing in terms of our money, which is all about the promise. So we've got the purpose, participate, and promise. So let's have a look. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We'll read out the message. I've been reading through uh, the New Testament out the message recently. It's been so, so fun. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Is that slavery right there? My father was a slave. My father's father was a slave. I'll always be a slave. Yeah. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level, God wants to bring the best out of you. This morning we want to talk about advancing with our money. Here at Grace Cove, almost every year we run a, a money course called Financial Peace University. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been uh, through it, look out for the next one. Where they talk about being able to be free from debt, living like no one else now so that later you can live and give like no one else to be generous and worry-free. Do, does that sound good to anyone? Being worry-free? Think about your money. You've been saying, Craig, I don't want to. Yeah, It's like people that don't want to get on the scale or don't want to measure their waist or don't want to see if they can, you know, I know it's time for glasses, but I'll just, I'll just squint. We don't want to accept the realities that we're facing. If you can't accept those realities, you'll never be able to overcome them, right? Alcoholic, Alcoholics Anonymous, the first step of, this, of the process is, I have a problem. Yeah? Otherwise, why change? Man, I don't know about you, but to be worry-free, to be generous, to live now like maybe no one else will live, so that later I can live and give like no one else can. How cool would that be? Imagine just to be free. And that's the process, God taking the Israelites, pro uh, chosen people, from captivity through the wanderings into freedom. God wants us to be free. 
<laughs> I wonder, if you had to be honest with me, um, how many of our prayers are, are resource-related prayers. Oh, Lord, I need dot, dot, dot. Yeah? Just like that kudu stuck in the mud, we can be just as stuck. We can have decided we're ready to break camp. We want to advance. We want to take on a new wineskin. We see clearly into the future. We want to go there. And yet, we can still be stuck in the captive land, maybe because of our money. Maybe because of other things. <laughs> it's true. It's true. God can speak to you and tell you to do anything. And you're like, oh, I just can't, Lord. There's a little shoestring around my ankle. And it's keeping this elephant from moving forward. The chief executive of F&B Retail, Raj Makanji, said approximately 56% of middle-income consumers in South Africa are spending all their monthly income in five days or less after receiving it. 56%. If you get paid on the 25th, you don't even make it into the next month. You think South Africa's stuck in the mud? For many customers, it's not only a matter of living from one salary payment to another. The reality is their monthly salary doesn't last for 30 days. 45% of South Africans are struggling to keep up to date with their debt repayments. 45, that's nearly half. If we cut this room down the middle, half of you, half of you struggling to keep up with our debt repayments. We're still living one foot in, in uh, Egypt, the other foot trying to cross over the Jordan to the promised land. We're wondering why we're feeling so insecure. You with me? In South Africa, <laughs> this is hard to hear, so I'm going to just go slowly. In South Africa, the bank will approve 30% of your gross income towards a bond payment. Yes? Who's making bond payments? Okay, a bunch of us. Yeah? Hello? Every time the interest rate goes up or down, we yay or are. They'll give you 30% of your gross income on your bond payments. They'll give you 20% of your gross income to pay for your car. Isn't that nice of them? Because, I mean, we live in a dangerous city. You've got to live, you, you know, you can't, can't have a dangerous car. Your car has to be good, just for safety's sake. You know, it's like got to have cameras everywhere. It's got to have radar tracking, a trap door, and 27 cup holders, and machine guns that come out the windows. Just because, hey, 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 you know, I deserve it. I work hard, and we live in a dangerous city. Yeah, what's 30 plus 20? That's 50% of your gross income whew, gone. Sorry to see the problem. If you're a Christian, you would have tithed 10% first. You're now on 40% left over. You're wondering why it's difficult to get to the end of the month? As shall be said, the end of January has come. Thank Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do some math quickly. Let's do a quick, quick rough budget. Okay, so... For every 10000 you earn, now the, the tax amount fluctuates. The more you earn, the more tax you pay, right? We all know that. The tax amount fluctuates. So I don't know what you earn, but for every 10000 you earn, more or less, 1000 of that should go to a tithe if you're tithing 10%, like the Bible says, right? Then about 20% or more will go to the tax man. So now you've gone from ten grand to one to, to nine thousand after your tithe. Now you're down to seven thousand after the tax man. If you've got a good salary, it might even be less than that, right? Then the bank will give you a bond. 
So 3,000 of your 10,000 goes to paying off your bond. Then they'll give you a car loan. So 2,000 of your 10,000 goes to paying off your car. You know what you got left? Just tax, tithe, house and car. You know how much you got left? Anyone want to guess? You're down to 2,000 out of 10. 20% left over. Do you understand? Is the penny dropping? Do you feel like your money doesn't go as far as you expect it to? You get a raise, you think, but it's still not going anywhere. Hey? <laughs> what happened to my money? Well, work, work takes my tax and my medical. The bank takes my car and my bond installments. Then I need to feed my family, send them to school, keep the lights and water on. How on earth can I afford to put God first? One of the things that stops us breaking camp and advancing into a new season is anything that ties us to the past season. Anything that ties us to the past season. It might be relationships, baggage, preference, love of the old ways. Sometimes it could be that because we spent next season's resources in the last season that we need to settle our accounts before we move forward. Make sense? That's why death's so, so scary because you're living in the future while your feet are in the past. With Financial Peace University, we've got so many super cool stories here at Grace Cuff. So many. Uh, a lady at the end of last year moved to another province um, and as she was kind of saying goodbye to her, she said, you know, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that I'm leaving. I'm not in debt. I was when I came. Not anymore. The Bible wants us to be free. Jesus says, for freedom I've set you free. And you can want to live in the promised land, but you are tired of the little shoestring to Egypt because you spent next year's resource in last year's predicament. We find ourselves stuck between the two. Making sense? It's gone very quiet in here. Should we speak about Jesus again and just like ignore our worries? Hey, should we just like, oh, Jesus, please take away all of those problems. I, yeah, put my mind on things above, Lord. Set my, thing, my mind on things above. Hey, let's not talk about these details. I always worry when churches don't like it when preachers talk about money. It's like a, going to the doctor and asking him not to talk about a remedy. <laughs> and you have to pay the doctor. Yeah? <laughs> Stick around. On our Financial Peace University class, they do a whole bunch of these testimonies. One lady says this, once I, ha once I had paid off all my debt, I had saved my emergency fund, I no longer needed to put up with working in an unhealthy environment. I wonder how many of us would love to resign tomorrow. You're dreading, you came to church because you need some courage for tomorrow's work. Hey, I wonder. And this lady, she said she'd paid off her debts. She had an emergency fund. She could cope even for a couple of months, not having an income. So she didn't need to work her horrible job. She could go and look for another one. And so it goes like this. She says, when I handed in my resignation, my boss said, where do you think you're going? She said, wherever I want. Wouldn't you like to be free? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be free? No, I'm tired of the string. To last Egypt season, I've got to say, yes, sir. No, sir, or ma'am, I'll sit quietly at my desk and do my job. See, many of us get offended when we talk about money, but we're actually talking about freedom. 
We yay and amen with the Israelites going into the promised land. We judge them for sticking out for 40 years in the wilderness. But you and I have the same risk every single payday. So there's three things we can do with our money. We can. This is rocket science. I'm just warning you. We can spend it. We can save it. And we can give it away. Isn't that amazing? Like, hey, you can spend it. You can save it. You can give it away. All that you and I need to do is decide what, how we're going to do that. So shall we have a quick look at what the Bible says about money then? In light of all of this, let's look at the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So I would suggest to you that in your wallet or your bank account, some of that money is for seed and some of that money is for food. And when we eat our seed, we have nothing to sow. And when we sow our food, it just rots on the ground. We need to hear from God. God, what this money that I have, what should I do with it? Which is seed and which is food? You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I long for that, don't you? Generous on every occasion. <laughs> and through us, your generosity will, resu will result in thanksgiving to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter four, 14, verse 22. Two, uh, verse, let me just get out of these slides, so let me check. Okay, let me read Deuteronomy 14, 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produce each year. I think I got the reference wrong on the slide there. Next slide, please, Hannah. Let's see if, there you go. Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Next slide, please. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Proverbs nineteen seventeen, and Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Do you hear the process we've been on? We judge those Israelites for walking around in circles. We've come maybe spiritually out of captivity. We've spiritually come into the promised land, but there's still part of us that's slave someone here at Grace Cup reminded me the other day, hey, Craig, what's the best car? I thought they were like, okay, this is a vehicle conversation. I was getting ready to discuss the pros, like the, the, the pros and cons of models, yes? They told me, it's a paid-off car. That's my car. The bank's got nothing to do with my paid-off car. Yeah? The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is a slave to the lender. In Proverbs 21, 20, the wise stores up choice food and olive oil but the fools gulp theirs down. This passage is one of the ones that challenged me the most. The, most. the wise store up choice food and oil. A fool gulps theirs down. All of us South Africans, five days in, money is gone. Would we be wise or would we would be fools? All of us is like, oh no, Craig, you can't judge like that. That's very unpolitically correct. <laughs> the best part is we're not going to talk about it this morning, but FPU, Financial Peace University, gives you such a clear path to go from foolish to wise. So simple, you just got to commit and do it. So simple. The wise people store up. Now, you know what we've been doing as a staff here at Grace Cove? We've taken these same principles and we're applying them to our working week and our job, uh, what do you call those things? Job profiles. Thank you. 
we're saying, guys, we run out of time every week. Do you? Or is it just our staff that are so terrible people? And so we're in debt. We're in time debt. We're in energy debt. So let's use these principles to not be fools, to be wise. And so we're rejigging. We're rebuilding the wineskin of the staff here at Grace Cove with this in mind. Dave Ramsey says, the purpose of tithes, because I'm, I'm waiting, expecting you to be saying, okay, the preacher's now going to make a heavy on you. We're going to take up an offering, and you're going to make you give more money than you wanted to. We're not going to do that. We never have at Grace Cove. So why then does God want our tithe? I tell you, God doesn't need our tithe. The, this, he doesn't need you to give this church your tithe. So then why? Well, Dave Ramsey puts it this way. He says, the purpose of the tithe is that God wants to change us into givers. The natural human being is stingy. You say, Craig, that's not true. Take two little kids and give them one toy. We are most like God the Father when we are generous. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. Trusting him that his plan for you is best. If God is saying that the best way for me to live and thrive is this, then I should be finding ways to do what's best for me, right? Adjust my expenses, my income, get my budget under control because my heavenly Father wants the best for me and this is how he says it happens. Isn't that a different way to look? I'm not saying we should be tithing because otherwise there's going to be lightning singeing our toes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying tithing and honoring God with our finances is the best way for God to work in our lives for our best. And so the Bible speaks about tithes. Tithes, the word literally means, in Afrikaans, it's tender. It literally means 10%. Literally means 10%. How much is it? Well, it's 10%. Got it? People say gross or net. Well, the tax man takes off your gross. So surely we should honor God above the tax man, right? You tithe to your local storehouse, the church that you're part of. People say, oh, the tithing is legalistic, but God gave tithing. Uh, in the scriptures before the law, uh, uh, Abraham tithes, Jacob tithes, Jesus in the New Testament, uh, uh, Matthew 23, uh, endorses tithing. It's outside of the law. Then what about offerings? What's next? So tithing 10% off the gross of our income. Then offerings. Offerings for, are from surplus. They're free will. They, we get to choose. What do we do with our offerings? Well, they go to the poor. They go to projects. They go to apostolic ministry, getting the gospel to the nations and living a lifestyle of generosity. Yo, I realize I've gone a little bit long, a little bit longer. I just want to give us some practical how-tos as I come to a close. So, uh, Hannah, you can give us that next slide, please. So how do I advance with my money? You, you're with me that advancing money, a simple thing like money, can stop us advancing. Well, first of all, you've got to look yourself in the mirror. You've got to quantify where you are at with your money. How much? Have you ever added up your debt? Most people don't want to. It's like, I don't want to know how bad it is. You got to quantify. You add up all your money. And you realize, okay, this is the number that I have in my bank. This is the number that I owe from my bank. You got to quantify it. Quantify your debts and then commit to traveling at the speed of cash. You see, it doesn't help to try and get out of your debt while you're making extra debt. It's like you're patching one hole while you're making another hole in your barrel. Secondly, you get onto a written budget. Get onto a written budget. Isn't this, you see the, the language, it's part of being clear. 
Can't ever be clear without a written budget. Third one, you need to make a start to emergency fund. You need a little bit of money stashed away so that while you're getting rid of your debt, if something goes wrong, you don't have to go back into more debt. The third one there is to, or the fourth one there is to pay off your debt. Make a plan. I've got a hundred rand outstanding. I've got ten months to go. Therefore, I need to put ten rand aside for ten months. I get to a hundred. Make sense? Once you've got rid of all your consumer debt, <laughs> then you build up an emergency fund of three to six months worth of expenses. So if stuff goes wrong, you can live free. Once you've done that, you look at retirement, saving if you have kids for the university and slowly paying off your house. Finally, hey, can you imagine without living life with no payments? You've got money to invest and to be outrageously generous. If this culture has got into your heart in any way, you're thinking, Craig, you're, you're telling me fairy stories. This is impossible. The average person that goes through FPU in the world, there's 6 million people that have got out of debt through this program. The average person takes two years to clear about one year's income's worth of debt in two years. Could you imagine that? That's on average. The rich people, the poor people, big debt, small debt. It's possible. You and I can be free. So where do I start? I'll finish with this. First of all, you have to own your address. (laughs) Secondly, Put God first. Choose to honor Him with our money. Thirdly, make a budget. Make clear goals. Fourthly, you've got to have a game plan. You can't wander around. You'll spend 38 years there. And finally, have the courage to see it through. Grace Cove, guys online, I hope you've stuck it out till the end. Guys here? There's a bit of a weighty atmosphere. I don't know if it's because you just can't wait for me to stop talking about money or because you're all going, oh, my goodness. As a staff, we, walked, we worked through this last week, all the things that needed to get done, and we got heavier and heavier, and the light at the end of the tunnel got, got dimmer, and then we started plotting out, right now, how do we get this done? Once you've got a target, you can aim at anything. Yeah? Friends, I want to ask you this morning, Will you commit to get clear? (laughs) Will you commit to saying, Jesus, whether it's my vision, whether it's my participation, whether it's the promises, my money, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you, to put you first, so that I can live in freedom, slavery out, live in the promised land as a son, able to invest and be free as far as my money is concerned. Would you stand with me?